Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, God's blessing towards his children and acting worthy of his name. Lesson 14 of the God's Dwelling Place Study, number 6, 22 to 27. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. On the last episode, we talked about how the Israelites are preparing to begin their travels towards the promised land. And in that episode, God gave them all the instructions that they would need to pack up the tabernacle, travel, and then set up camp whenever they got to the places that God was taking them along the way. And if you happen to miss that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because we spent most of our time focusing on redemption because God redeemed the firstborn children of the Israelites with the Levites. And we talked about our redemption that we have through Jesus. So if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it. Today is going to be the last lesson in this study And I want to end it with the priestly blessing that God told Aaron to say to the Israelites. And then we're just going to focus on what that has to say to us. And so let's go ahead and read number six, beginning in verse 22, all the way to the end of the chapter. And it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to Aaron and his sons and say, This is the way that you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. And so these were children of Abraham, right? These are the descendants of Abraham. And so they have been chosen by God to be his children. But today, we can also be his children if we just demonstrate the same faith that Abraham himself had. Then we can be called his children. He was the father of that nation, and he can be called our father too if we just demonstrate the same type of faith that he had. And so there's going to be lots of scripture reading today. And the first passage that I want to read you is actually an entire chapter because it talks about us being adopted as Abraham's children and into the family of God. And so this is Romans 4. This is the only one that I'm going to read a full chapter of, but I want you to listen to what it has to say. It says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. 
But to him who doesn't work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it counted? When he was circumcised or when he was uncircumcised? Not while he was circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith that he had while he was still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and that the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also those who walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while he was still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore it was counted to him for righteousness. Now it's not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So you see how it's explaining this is that it's not just Abraham's physical descendants that get to be called children of God. It's anyone who has the same faith that Abraham had. It talks about that kind of faith, that it was the faith that made him leave his country and go to the place that God called him. It was the faith that he believed that God was going to make him into a great nation, even when he didn't have any children. It was the faith that God was going to give him that child, even though... He was a hundred years old and his wife was 90 and her womb was dead. She had no ability in the flesh to have a child, but he continued to hope and believe in that. God called the things that didn't exist as though they did because they would eventually. And so he believed that God was able to perform the things that he had promised. And that faith is why God imputed righteousness to him. And so if we have that same faith in Jesus, then God will impute righteousness to us. So now it's not just the Israelites, the direct descendants of Abraham that get to be called his children, but us also, just as long as we believe in him. 
And do you notice how it said it's not because of works? It's not because of anything that they did. It's just because God chose them to be his children. You know, it's the same thing with us. How much do we love our own children? That's the kind of love that God has for us. If we're his children, he loves us, not because of the things that we do, but just because we're his. That's it. They received this blessing just because they were his. And if we are his children, if we exhibit that same kind of faith that Abraham had, then God loves us just because we're his children. Think about your own children. If you have children, think about how much you love them and how it's not dependent on what they do, right? But because they're ours, we love them. Not because of the things that they do. They don't earn our love. They also can't do anything to make us love them less. We just love them just because they're ours. And it's the same thing with God. God loved the nation of Israel just because they were his. And God loves us just because we're his. No other reason. And so God says that he took the Israelites from slavery in Egypt just so he could live among them and be their God. That was the only reason. Just because he loved them and he wanted to live with them. That's why he rescued them from slavery. Listen to what it says in Exodus 29, 46. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. I brought them out of Egypt just so I could live with them. And he does the same thing for us. He brings us out of the slavery of our sin just so he can live within us, just so he can be our God, just so he can be our father, so he can send his spirit to live within us That's all. It's the only reason that he rescues us from the slavery of sin. Listen to what it says in Romans 8, 12 to 17. Therefore, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if we live by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body, and we will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So this talks about us being his children if we just walk in the spirit. We've been adopted into his family, freed from the bondage of fear, freed from the bondage of sin. Says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his children. And if we are his children, then we're heirs, heirs of the kingdom that he has prepared for us eternally one day. He freed us from our sin just so he can live with us. Listen to what it says in John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Whoever receives him is given the right to be called his child. It's not of anything we do, just because we believe in him, just because we have the same faith as Abraham. That's all. And so... We can ask that the Lord bless us and keep us, that he make his face shine on us, that he's gracious to us, that God lifts up his countenance on us and gives us peace. These are prayers that we can pray for ourselves, that we can pray for each other. 
Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. If every single morning we just woke up and we prayed this prayer, we would be blessed if God gave us these things. Listen to what it says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. It's good for us to pray scripture. We know that we're in God's will if we're praying scripturally. This would be a perfect prayer to pray in the morning. Just say, God, I pray that I would have the grace of Jesus today, that you would love me, and that I would have communion with the Holy Spirit, that I've had fellowship, that I would have conversation with the Holy Spirit today. We would be blessed with that, right? Listen to Ephesians 1, 17 to 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Another great prayer, right? This blessing says that the Lord's face may shine upon you. And this says that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. That God's light shines on us so that we have what this passage says. That we have the spirit of wisdom. That we have the revelation of knowledge in him. That means we understand and know him. Not just logically, but in an intimate way that we know God that we understand the hope with which he's called us, that we know about his glorious riches and the exceeding greatness of his power. That's what happens when his light shines on us. We begin to understand things. We begin to know him better. We see all the wonderful things about him. Another thing in this blessing was that he would give us peace. Listen to what it says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. So it says, don't be worried about things. Just pray about them. And then thank God for who he is and what he does. And just let him give you peace. Anytime you hear the word heart in the Bible, most of the time it's referring to our feelings and our mind is referring to our thoughts. So it says, let the peace of God guard our feelings and our thoughts through Jesus. Basically, don't worry about things. Pray about them and then just trust God and let that trust that you have in him fill you with peace that you no longer have to worry The kind of peace that God gives that passes all understanding is the kind that just makes no sense. There's no reason we should have peace. We should feel scared or worried, but we don't because God is guarding those feelings with his peace. We want that, right? We want that kind of peace. We want to be lifted up and encouraged by God. says, let him lift up his countenance on you. Let him keep you, preserve you till the end. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Paul's saying, I know the person that I've believed in 
And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep everything that I've given to him until the day that I go to heaven with him. Like I trust him fully. I believe in him and I know that he's able to take care of me. And so I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be ashamed for trusting in him. He's the only one that we can trust in, right? Listen to what it says in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We can have hope in that. We can know that if God has started a good work in us, he's not going to just quit in the middle. He's going to keep working on us until that work that he started is complete, which is basically until we die, right? It says until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to keep working in us. He's not going to abandon us. After he starts this, he's going to finish it. He's going to keep us until that day. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. What hope can we have in that? That God is able to work in us to want to do what he wants and to be able to do what he wants. God's able to work in our hearts like that. He can do that, then he's keeping us, right? He's taking care of us. So we should be able to have eternal hope, knowing that nothing can separate us from God now. Listen to what Jesus says in John 10, 27 to 30. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither will anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me, he's greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. And he gives us eternal life. We will live forever with him. This prayer, bless and keep us. He's keeping us. He's holding us. And no one can take us away from him. Once we are his children, that's it. No one can take us away from that. And so because of this, we should live our lives in a way that's worthy of his name, right? If we're his children, then we bear his name and we want to bring honor to that name. In this blessing, God says that he's going to put his name on the children of Israel and he will bless them. We are his children, then his name is on us. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So if we're his children, then we need to imitate him as children do. Kids imitate their parents, right? All the time you see toddlers copying what their parents do. We're supposed to do that with God. Imitate him as his child. Walk in love. Love the way that he loves with a sacrificial kind of love for others. Further down in that chapter, verse 8 says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things which are done in secret. But all the things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This blessing says, 
May God's face shine on you. May he give us light. May he reveal things to us. And then may we walk in that light, walk as children of the light. We want him to take pleasure in us and be happy that we are called by his name. Second Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12 says, Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica and he says, I pray all the time that you would be counted worthy of the calling that you were called and you would fulfill the good pleasure of God's goodness that Jesus' name might be glorified in you. If his name is on you, that he will receive glory because of that. We need to live worthy of the name that he's placed on us. Live worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. This entire study has been about sacrifices and service, right? The sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And because of that sacrifice, why we serve him. Last passage, Colossians 1.9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, we need to walk worthy of that, fully pleasing him, having the fruits of his spirit that lives within us. In addition to this study being about sacrifices and service, it's about his house, right? And who is his house now? His house is each one of us. He lives within each one of us. We are his children. And so we want to end this study by remembering he made a sacrifice for us, that he lives within us, and we want to live worthy of the name that he's placed on us, the name that says, these are my children. Courtney is my child. Doesn't she look like me? That's what we want. So that's where we're going to end this study. I wanted you to end with some encouragement, remembering that we are his. No longer are only the Israelites called by his name. Not only are they just his children, but all of us who believe, all of us who place our faith in him, you are called by his name. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of the eternal promise. We have hope in him. So rest knowing that if you have placed your faith in God, you are his child, not because of anything you did. Just because he loves you, he's going to lay his name on you and bless you. And if you've never, ever placed your faith in him, do that now. Don't wait. Be set free from the bondage of sin and allow the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in your life. Let the sacrifice that he made on that cross be counted for you. Be called his child and then spend every day of your life after that living worthy of that sacrifice, living worthy of the price that he paid 
so that you could live in heaven eternally with him and his father. So it's all today. I know it's a short lesson, but packed full of lots of scriptures. So hope that that's encouraged you today. Next week, the Israelites are going to begin their journey towards the promised land. So that's where we're going to go next week. Please leave me comments wherever you're listening. I would love to hear what you're thinking, how God's speaking to you. If you don't want to leave a comment, a public comment, you can email me. My email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Also, love a five-star review if you are enjoying this study. And just make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks and have a good day. Mm -hmm.